Welcome to Tuesday on the Piro Pelka podcast. It's Mike here and a lot to cover, especially since last night's big news, the leak of the Supreme Court, a draft of the Supreme Court's opinion that would effectively negate Roe v. Wade and give the decision on abortions back to the states. It doesn't make abortion illegal, but it just gives the states the responsibility to decide whether or not they want to make abortion legal or illegal in their state. That's what the Tenth Amendment is all about. The left is losing its mind. The left had protesters at the Supreme Court to the point where security had to put up fences around Supreme temporary fences, not like Nancy Pelosi and her giant barbed wire fences, but they put those you know, traffic grates up so to block people from climbing and pounding on the doors again. And for my senator from Delaware, Chris Coons, one of my senators, to put out a statement about his outrage because this was a long-standing legislation. Long-standing doesn't mean anything. Slavery was in place for a long time, too. You can't use the long-standing. You have to use the what's right. So I asked my senator the same question I ask everybody when it comes to this very hot topic. Very heated discussions sometimes arise. When does life begin? Seriously, that's what I would like everyone to answer, because until you answer when does life begin, you can't decide on whether or not someone can be allowed to abort life inside of a woman. Some people believe it's at conception. Some believe it's when brain activity begins. Others think it's when pain can be felt. And then others use the term that I don't think they fully understand, viability. What's viability? Well, you know, that the, uh, the child can live on its own. Well, most of these kids can't live on their own until they're 18, and some of them well into their 20s. So the viability thing doesn't really work. And if you, if you say that the child needs to not be supported by medical equipment, then does that mean you're going to go to the far end of that spectrum, to the elderly, and decide that anyone who needs medical assistance to stay alive, whether it's oxygen or a defibrillator, that we should be able to turn that equipment off? Because isn't that about viability too? It's a very personal decision. But our Constitution does guarantee humans life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when does life begin? When do those constitutional guarantees kick in? That's what I'd like everybody to answer. And I'd like them to use some science, not just their beliefs. Chuck Schumer went over the top today. Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, uh, he was all bent out of shape this morning. Let's hear a little bit of what Chuck had to say. Mr. President, this is a dark and disturbing morning for America. Last night, a report disclosed that a conservative majority of the United States Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade and uproot decades of precedent affirming a woman's right to an abortion. Now, what Schumer doesn't mention is that this was a draft. It's not the final opinion. What he also doesn't mention is that this is unprecedented 
that someone would leak a draft of a Supreme Court opinion prior to that opinion being formalized has no 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 idea just how maybe illegal or awful this is. It is more immoral than anything else. But how dare that person do that? That's violating the sanctity of the Supreme Court. But continue, Chuck. I know you're all worked up. If this report is accurate, the Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years, not just on women, but on all Americans. Really? Really? What about the uh, little babies inside the mothers? What about them, Chuck? Oh, no, he doesn't want to think about that. Under this decision, our children will have less rights than their parents. Would it be fewer rights if you want to interpret it that way? But let's remember, there's no right to an abortion in the Constitution. And uh, all this is doing is taking away the federal ruling on it and allowing the states to make the decision. Doesn't that make sense? The Republican appointed justices reported votes to overturn Roe v. Wade will go down as an abomination. Will it? One of the worst, hmm. most damaging decisions in modern history. A little over the top, Chuck. Several of these conservative justices who are in no way accountable to the American people have lied to the U.S. Senate, ripped up the Constitution, and defiled both precedent and the Supreme Court's reputation. Oh, so the person who leaked this document, which isn't even finished, that person didn't defy any of the hundreds of years of Supreme Court precedent. No, they didn't. You're saying the justices, even though nothing is formalized yet. Talk about an over-the-top reaction. Talk about a petulant toddler with a temper tantrum in the cereal aisle because you're not going to allow him to get the one with the with the sugar-coated flakes and the toy inside. Chuck, take a pill. All at the expense of tens of millions of women hmm. who could soon be stripped of their bodily autonomy and the constitutional rights they've relied on for over half a century. Now, at this point, Schumer turns and starts to focus on the real target here. The real issue to the Democrats is not so much Roe versus Wade, because there are going to be states that are going to permit abortions, New York, New Jersey, all the blue states are going to be good with it, and California, and then there will be conservative states that will say, no, we, we respect life, all life, we want to protect it. But the real issue here is the midterms, which they're worried about a disaster in the midterms. And so they have to bring back the target. The target of this is not this law, but Donald Trump. The party of Lincoln and Eisenhower has now completely devolved into the party of Trump. Aha, there it is. Orange man bad. That's what they think. Orange man bad. Here's the end of Schumer's little rant here. I'll have more to say later this morning. Oh, great. But I want to make three things clear. All right. First, now that the court is poised to strike down Roe, it is my intention for the Senate to hold a vote on legislation to codify the right to an abortion in law. Second, 
a vote on this legislation is not an abstract exercise. This is as urgent and real as it gets. We will vote to protect a woman's right to choose, and every American is going to see which side every senator stands. Aha, uh -huh, there it is. I'll bet they already have the bill written. I'll bet the bill is written and ready to be presented, and they're going to try and put this out there so it can be an election issue. And they will make commercials. Both sides will make commercials on this. I'm guaranteeing you that's going on. And they're also going to use it to try and eliminate the filibuster, as Bernie Sanders immediately tweeted about last night. So that's already in the mix. Get used to that. Get ready for that. This is going to be fascinating. And uh, I just keep asking people, just tell me. Tell me, when does life begin? And then we can talk about protecting it. Um, our Catholic president, and I think he's Catholic in name only, Joe Biden uh, put out a statement about this. But uh, I'm more concerned with his uh, lack of understanding of history. Yesterday at the White House, they had a celebration of a Muslim holiday, the, the one I forget how to pronounce that. It's at the end of Ramadan. And they were um, honoring some of the people who work at the Biden Institute at the University of Delaware, and Joe got all the information confused. Now, there have not been many senators from Delaware. It's a small state. As a matter of fact, there's never been one. Wait, what? There have not been many senators from Delaware? It's a small state, sir? Every state gets two senators. You yourself were one of them. Well, give me that again, Joe. Now, there have not been many senators from Delaware. It's a small state. As a matter of fact, there's never been one. Uh, and uh, so I want to take advantage. Of yeah, I want to take advantage of uh, the 25th Amendment at this time. Big time. My God. It's very scary. For the Democrats when he opens his mouth, isn't it? Well, at least Kamala tested negative yesterday and she's back on the job today. Everybody can rest easy because if anything happens to Joe, Kamala's there. Oh, good. The Biden administration yesterday, by the way, also admitted that they are creating and have created a new system that will pretty much let illegals stay in the country indefinitely. They call this uh, circular program. Aliens always win rule. And if somebody is brought in, their, their deporting is not allowed to happen until a couple of other things happen, which keep triggering more meetings, more encounters, more legal discussions. The aliens always win rule. And that, those are the words from a member of the Biden administration. That's not something we put on it. Keep your eye on some primaries today. You have Ohio and Indiana. The Ohio primary is kind of important because we'll see if a Donald Trump-endorsed character uh, wins. If that candidate gets across the finish line, it could mean good things for Trump, who's also announced he plans to rally in Wyoming in support of a challenger to Liz Cheney. Hmm. We'll see on that. We shall see. All right, we have a lot going on today, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more tomorrow. What I want to do is spend a little time with some uh, inspiration. Our buddy Jim Stovall from the Stovall Institute 
Jim Stovall of the Winner's Wisdom column on jimstovall.com is joining us right now or next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend Jim Stovall is joining us. Jim is, of course, uh, the man behind the uh, Narrative Television Network, which is uh, the thing that allows people who are without sight to enjoy movies and TV. And he's written dozens and dozens of books and also had some of those books turned into movies, which I always, I'm just fascinated by how how Jim just keeps cranking stuff out. But when you talk to him, you understand, because Jim Stovall's mind never stops, does it, Jim? Do you have trouble going to sleep at night? Um, you know, sometimes, or I will get up in the middle of the night and uh, always have those great ideas. And I used to go back to bed, and I'll remember that. But now I get up and uh, actually make myself a little recording on my uh, call notes device because uh, you don't want those to get away. Those are gifts, and you uh, you don't want to lose them. I'm glad you said that. The, the late Robert Palmer was uh, a big fan of keeping – uh, a little recorder by the bedside, and he even credited the huge hit uh, "Addicted to Love" with that. He said he woke up and that that series of chords and that line was in his head, and he sang it into his recorder, laid down, and went back to bed. And the next morning, he recorded it in like t- twenty minutes, and probably the biggest hit he had. So um, I'm a it's big a, yeah. I'm always amazed with people like that, and I read a book. Uh, uh, Gladriella Almond, Dwayne Almond's daughter from the Almond Brothers Band, wrote a book about her father, who she barely knew. But and she has a museum down there. And I said, "What kind of stuff do you have?" And she said, "Well, I have the famous ironing board cover." And I said, "What are you speaking of here? I don't know what you're talking about." Well, apparently they were on tour in a hotel, and he got just this flash in the middle of the night for one of their biggest hits and got up and couldn't find paper so he ripped off the ironing board cover and wrote it down on it and uh, it remains today so uh you know i've always thought you know anything to keep the uh keep the vision alive there that is great i did not know that story i have a friend who's an allman brothers freak and i wonder if she knows it. i'm gonna have to ask her or if she's been to the museum uh, it's uh, it's always amazing, and that just let that be a lesson to all of us. When an inspiration happens, you really should write it down. Find a way to write it down, record it, keep it, because they are fleeting. Especially the most brilliant ideas sometimes are just a flash, and uh, you need to make sure you you latch on to them. Sometimes they come back later, and they do. And sometimes they come back with someone else. I always tell the kids at the Stovall Center for Entrepreneurship at the university, if you don't write your idea down and capture that, someday, a month, a year, 10 years from now, you'll see somebody has a billion-dollar breakthrough with your idea. So uh, sooner, you know, that's a gift to you, and you need to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of gifts, every week Jim Stovall gives us uh, the gift of the winner's wisdom column, and we discuss it, and you can find it at jimstovall.com. Jim, I love this week's, uh, this week's column, and I know what I picked up out of it, but I want to get your take on this one, and I'm not going to set you up to uh, use the second S in the KISS theory. Well, it is. Uh, the, the column is keeping it simple, and as I said in the column, I avoid... Uh, the kiss thing because I don't want to keep it simple, stupid. But for you and your show, Mike, I, I have no problem with that. Oh, so, thank uh, you. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it 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 seems to uh, seems to fit. Although I just use my keep it simple stove all myself. But uh, for you, we we can we can go with the 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 second S there. But it is a reminder that the great things in life, the great breakthroughs, are really really often the most simple things. And uh, uh, you know, I I think we. In the digital age, we look for complexity. We look for all these other things. And, and really, what's the straightest line between where we are and where we want to be? And that's often the answer. I just heard a deal. It's not even in the column. I just heard about this, this grandmother who had all of these recipes on these cards. And she was telling her granddaughter about, you know, here, you need to learn some of these recipes. And the granddaughter says, you know, uh, Grandma, you you got to get in the 21st century here. I can put all these on the computer for you. So she puts them all on the computer, and but Grandma says, well, now they're down the hall, and, and they're not <laughs> handy. So the girl says, well, I could, I could print them out for you. So she prints them out, and she says, well, now I'm getting I'm making a mess all over these sheets of paper. And the girl said, well, I could cut them up and laminate them. And all of a sudden, we're right back to the recipe cards we had before. And, you know, it's the long way around the barn to get where we started. I love that story. Uh, that's almost government-level uh, creation of work to make something simpler and make it more complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if it come out of Washington, we would have had two committees and a three-year study. <laughs> that's so true. Now, Jim, you're a guy who works on a, on a singular level. You know, you're a guy who writes books, and the ideas come from your brain and they ultimately get translated into print form after you dictate them. But that transition then from the, the authored work into a movie, I don't know how you tolerate it because there's just so much involved, so many people involved. Uh, have you ever gotten frustrated and said, hold on a second, we're losing the idea here? Rarely. I, you know, eight of my books have been turned into movies, and we got one right in progress right now. And, uh, you know, and I am very cognizant of the fact that when I dictate the original books, and I, I'm very aware of the fact that I write books I can't read that are turned into movies I can't watch. To me, even the, the, the book process, ink on paper, is bizarre. To me, it's just I dictate to a young lady in my office, and she types it down, and it goes off to a publisher, and at some point it comes back. But then that process you're speaking of where my book turns into our movie, and literally four or 500 people are working on this, and you know we want them to be creative, and they all want to get their fingerprints on the final a copy of the movie and uh, and in most cases that's good occasionally we have to reel it in but i am opposed to change for change's sake or complexity for complexity's sake you know i always tell people explain to me how this is what's going on the screen is better you know if we're going to spend money if we're going to make changes why is it better and i remember in my my book the ultimate life a uh, sequel to the, the big hit uh, and they you know, I had written this uh, flashback to World War II, and I'd written it as a Navy scene because my father was in the Navy, and I kind of used some of his exploits, and uh, I made it a naval scene. And the director came to me, and the producer said, Jim, we want to change this to Army. And I said, give me one good reason. They said, we'll give you 1.2 million good reasons. 
because <laughs> to shoot this is a Navy thing. And he said, the Navy is going to help us and let us use the USS Carolina and for free. And But even with that, with the helicopters and all the stuff we're going to have to do and set this up, you know, to make that World War II, it'll take $1.2 million. For almost nothing, we can go out in this 80-acre field, dig some foxholes, and it and it's Italy, 1943. And uh, so all of a sudden, $1.2 million, I'm participating in the bottom line here. It seemed like a really great idea to me. You know, let's, um, you know, okay, so much for the Navy, go Army. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, it makes sense. But sometimes people just want to change just to change or they want to make things complex. I remember one of the greatest uh, authors ever, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, had his Holmes character say, you know, when all other alternatives have been exhausted, that which remains, no matter how absurd, must be true. When you've eliminated everything else, that which stays there must be true. And and often it's just the most straightforward, simple way to do something. I, I love the idea of trying to go directly to something. Now, if you want to mm-hmm. wander and do a documentary style thing and, and stumble about until you come upon something, you're welcome to do that. But like you said, you risk losing money and uh, interest from people along along the lines of doing that. I was a big fan of of um, Alfred Hitchcock, still am a big fan of Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock's films. And Hitch used to storyboard every scene in his movie so that everybody knew every single shot he wanted and there was never any question. And and I'm also a fan of the, the series Law and Order, the original series mm-hmm. Law and Order. And Dick Wolf used to say, uh, someone asked him, why why is your show seem to move so fast? He said, you never see us driving to go to go pick somebody up and arrest somebody. Right. They, they, the minute they say, oh, that's the killer, the next time you see him, they're knocking on his door <laughs> and they're about oh, to yeah. arrest him. So uh, there is something to be said for getting to the point and going directly there. We've worked on a lot of Hitchcock films in our studio, you know, doing the voiceovers for the narration and then editing them for TV. And one of the most difficult things you can ever do is try to edit down a Hitchcock film. There's no throwaway lines. There's no throwaway scenes. You, you, there's nothing there that doesn't need to be there. It's really amazing. And there are other directors. Hey, you want to cut 20 minutes out? No problem. You know, <laughs> easy to do. But with Hitchcock, there's really nothing you can take out of there. You need every bit of that. And I think it's you know it's it's a wonderful way to make a movie. And um, you know, and I I try to do that in my writing in the films we make. There needs to be a reason to to have that in there. And you know, the more we can keep things simple and make sure everything you know uh, justifies its own existence, the better our lives are. I'm with you 100. percent And you can transfer what Jim's saying and keeping it simple from the media right to your life, and you can get to the point. And you'll be surprised at how much time you'll have to do other things. If you just go directly to what you need to do, as you say in the uh, the end of the column, uh, putting first things first and avoiding majoring in minor things. I love that line, Jim. Yeah, it's real easy to get bogged down in all the things. And uh, there's really just not that much that's that critical. But the things that are critical, 
we really need to stay focused. Absolutely. His name is Jim Stovall. Focus on what he's saying and, and go to jimstovall.com. Sign up for the Winner's Wisdom column. It shows up in your mailbox every week. And then I get to do a little Q&A with Jim right here. Jim, thank you, my friend. Let's do it again. I look forward to it. 